You have just downloaded the Barbecue Central show, which airs live every Tuesday from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The Barbecue Central show is brought to you by Sucklebusters. You can find them at sucklebusters.com. Also by the Barbecue Guru, creators of automatic pit temperature control technology. They can be found at the BBQ guru.com or call them 800-288-GURU and by the CHOPS Power Injector System the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year at the NBBQA find them at barbecuekansascity.com and by Butcher Barbecue from injections to rubs to sauces always trust your butcher at butcherbbq.com and by Big Papa Smokers, your one-stop online shop for everything and anything that has to do with barbecue. Their website is BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Cook Shack Pellet and Electric Grills. Visit them at PelletCooker.com or CookShack.com or call them 800-423-0698. And by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash to be won. Find out more at kcbs.us slash samstour. And by Cookin' Pellets, you can buy Cookin' Pellets at cookinpellets.com. You can also visit amazon.com to purchase as well. And by Green Mountain Grills, some of the best pellet grills on the market today. You can visit them at greenmountaingrills.com. And by iGrill. The Bluetooth grilling thermometer that allows you to monitor temperatures from 150 feet away. Use promo code CENTRAL for 15% off your purchase at iDevicesInc.com. Give me a beat. Hello, everybody. This is Gary Ben Nerd Chuck, host of Wine Library TV, a.k.a. WLTV, the number one wine show on the Internet. And this is BBQ Center. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to a really big version of the Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. You want to jump in on the show tonight? It's a phone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And here's what's happening in case you didn't get the newsletter. Coming up in about 13 minutes from now... First-timer of the show, venerable food blogger, food 
photographer, food videographer. The website is anotherpintplease.com. Mike Lang will be joining us. And we're going to be talking about tailgating tips and live fire tips and home gating tips and all this great stuff. So looking forward to chatting it up for the first time, which will hopefully be of many down the road with Mike Lang. Again, another pint, please. Then we will go to tech. We're covering all facets of the industry tonight, by the way. Just to preface for the second interview segment at 935, the pit master of the oldest barbecue restaurant in the great state of Texas. From Southside Market, Brian Bracewell will be joining us. Wow. Wow. Perhaps not the normal conversation that you would find when you're talking with the pitmaster of the oldest barbecue restaurant in Texas, but a conversation that I think everyone will find to be very entertaining, very educational. Because we're going to be talking to a guy who knows. When I say there's guys that know barbecue and guys that know barbecue, I think Brian is going to be in the echelon of knows barbecue. And he recently spent some time over in Japan talking about the American-style barbecue, especially like the beef, right? Because he's beef reigns supreme down in Texas, along with sausage, which Southside Market is incredibly known for. That has been vetted out by none other than the Texas Monthly Barbecue editor, Daniel Vaughn. So the blood, I think they call it the blood sausage or whatever. Very well known for that. But of course, the brisket as well. So we're going to talk to Brian about the Japanese culture, how they are viewing barbecue, how it is either growing or not growing, what the, the pulse of barbecue is in the Japanese culture. And then more importantly, where's the beef coming from? You know, you ever heard, where's the, where's the beef? Where's the beef? Not that. But where is the beef coming from? I mean, I think we all know, especially the folks that are really into the barbecue and grilling scene. Japan is kind of known for the high-end cuts of beef, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! I might even go so far as to say not only are they pretty well known for some of the highest cuts of beef, they're well known for the highest cuts of beef available in the world market. The Kobe beef. So we're going to talk to Brian about, and it'll be he's actually on the shorter side of a segment, so we're going to squeeze as much as we can, and then I'm sure we're going to revisit with him a number of times down the road as well. That will tie up the first hour. Then we'll move to the second hour. Who doesn't love pizza? If you, lo- if you don't love pizza, I don't love you. Rule the new rule of the show should be if you don't like pizza, we can't be friends because I love pizza. One of the things that I love most about pizza is that it is pizza and it can be prepared a variety of different ways. This is a barbecue and grilling show, so you know we're going to take pizza outside. I have an expert, self proclaimed, we're going to test his knowledge and his wherewithal when it comes to to the makings of pizza outside. We're going to talk equipment. We're going to talk ingredients. We're going to talk cooking methods. We're going to talk all of this wonderfulness 
to hope in hopes of making you a better pizza chef when you get outside the next time to cook those pizzas. So that will be Matt Frampton from Hot Grill on Grill Action. One of the pitmasters of uh, Hot Grill on Grill Action. And then helping me close the show tonight, we hyped it up to a tremendous degree. The week before last, the San Antonio barbecue cook-off transpired this past weekend. And wouldn't you know, a guy who's having a very good year, who's been having a very great couple of years, who's been on this show a couple of times, walks away with grand championship honors. Clarence Joseph from Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue will be joining us to recap that big weekend as well. Oh my goodness, we got a ton of stuff. And if you didn't know... Not that we're going to really be talking about it tonight. The American Royal Barbecue Cook-Off is taking place this coming weekend. So you know next week's going to be insane. Oh my God, it is the really big barbecue show after all. All right, do me a favor, folks. As I ask you each and every week, let everybody know the show is on. Get on the tweeter, the blower, the emails, the fax machines, whatever you got. Send them to these particular websites. The audio link, of course, thebbqcentralshow.com, and click on that Listen Live Now link. You can't miss it. It's right at the top of the main page. Or you can send them to outdoorcookingchannel.com, the longtime video syndication partner of this show. If you have Internet Protocol television devices such as Roku that we know for sure, go to that app store and download the Outdoor Cooking Channel app, and now you can watch this show live right from the comfort of your lazy boy chair or a couch, your high-definition television. You don't have to go downstairs to the basement and catch it monitor-wise on the computer or laptop, or you don't have to just jack up your phone, go to the TuneIn radio app, and listen to the live stream of the show here like you would. Although I still prefer, I mean, even though we have spent a ton of time upgrading the video capabilities of the show, uh, I still prefer the show to be more in its originated format, which is radio only. So if you like both, I would say try, you know, try one, try the other just to see, you know, sometimes it's, there's a different feel to the show when you're listening to the show. And then there's a different feel when you're watching the show, some better than others, depending on what your preference is. So again, outdoorcookingchannel.com is the video and the bbqcentralshow.com is the audio out there. And again, if you have Internet Protocol Television, go to those app stores and search Outdoor Cooking Channel. I don't know if all of them have it. A good amount do, so you're going to want to take a look at that. And then if if your particular app store has it on your IP television, then download it, and you can watch Outdoor Cooking Channel. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes for replays, so go ahead and do that if you miss But there really is no reason why you should ever miss anything on this show ever. I mean, if you miss it live, that's one thing. But if you're hearing about it, if you're on the internet forums and, oh, did you hear this guy on Rempy's show last night? Or did you hear this particular interview on the Barbecue Central show? I missed it. Well, after you get over the initial shock, it's okay. Go to the barbecue for you. uh, The barbecue for you. Oh, my God. Don't sue me, sir. Go to the Barbecue Central website, the main clearinghouse for any and all archives of the show, and you will be up and running and back up to speed. Again, the American Royal is going to be happening this coming weekend, so if you're listening live right now, please make sure that if you win, you allot time next week. For instance, 
Uh, Jean-Philippe Lavoie. I don't I have no idea. It sounds French-Canadian. Uh, Greg, my name's JP. Me and my brother Max are great barbecue fans. We, are, we own a barbecue store in Quebec, Canada. We like your show. We've been listening to your podcast all day long while driving to the American Royal in Kansas City. And we'll be competing to get the barbecue vibe. So we're stopping by every place we can eat and talk barbecue. My brother just told me you're presently live in Cleveland. And we'll be in Cleveland in less than an hour. Oh, I'm just getting this email now. We do many radio shows in Quebec City. It would be a pleasure to come and talk to you if you're interested. Guys, I would love to have you, except for the fact I'm just getting this right now. So press on to Kansas City. We'll try and do it again. Win the American Royal. Stop back on the way back home, and we'll sit you down live. We'll do it live. Yeah. Shout out. Thanks for writing in. Folks, what are people using on the competition trail and in the backyards to have some great barbecue, win the cash money dollars? Suckle Busters, award-winning barbecue rub sauces, chili kits, Texas gunpowder, preferred by competition barbecue cooks, Texas-based, 100% made in the USA. Their products have won hundreds of industry awards, including two first place at this coming American Royal Barbecue Sauce Contest, the World Series of Barbecue Competitions, by the way. New from Suckle Busters, as I've been talking about for weeks now, the Honey Barbecue Glaze and Finishing Sauce. Based on Suckle Busters' award-winning Honey Barbecue Sauce, this is a thin barbecue glaze and finishing sauce made especially for competition ribs and chicken. It's super sweet, not spicy, but it is super red because of the use of the American paprika for a bright red color. Here's what you do. Brush it on the last 5 to 10 minutes of cooking. It's going to leave a nice, glossy red sheen on the meat and add an extra layer of sweet flavor. Take your competition and chicken, take your competition ribs and chicken to a whole nother level. Available at local barbecue stores or online at sucklebusters.com. If you want a free bottle because you're listening right now, shoot me an email, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, and in the subject line, put American Royal 2016. American Royal 2016. Fabulous. Thanks to Dan Arnold and the folks over at Sucklebusters. If you want to order yours directly, sales at sucklebusters.com. Visit the website sucklebusters.com. Or again, visit some of your local barbecue stores. There's a very good chance Dan has already infiltrated your particular place of frequentage, and you should be able to get Sucklebusters directly right there. Wow. Again, email Greg at the BBQ Central Show and in the subject line, suck um, sorry, American Royal 2016. American Royal 2016. And you will be a winner. Let's check right now, see what we got. No winner yet. But they'll be coming in fast and furious, I don't doubt. All right, you are listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Back with another pint, please, Mike Lang talking tailgating stick around we'll be right back Casting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. 
Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Your two ways to get in touch with me tonight. Portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, half a mil in cash. The next stop, it's the last one, folks. October 10th, 2015. We're going to Bentonville, Arkansas. We're going to see who's cream of the crop with the last 50 standing. To find out more about the Sam's Club Barbecue Series or to check the results, you can visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Folks, football season's here. I wouldn't know that. I'm a Browns fan. Nevertheless, nevertheless, people love to do that tailgate thing and no better expert to bring on this show than first-timer to the Barbecue Central Show Jungle and the creator of AnotherPintPlease.com, Mike Lang, joining me here on the show. Mike, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure and appreciate you taking the time out tonight to uh, get this thing underway. So let me see if I can't resize you a little. There we go. That looks much better. Can you see us together? Kind of like half and half, right? It's weird. Yeah, it, looks, it looks good. Yeah, good. Um, all right, so before we get into the the depths of tailgating and home gating and water gating and all this other stuff uh <laughs> talk to me a little bit about yourself like what's your background what do you do professionally and how did the more importantly how did you get into this whole another pint please yeah i know uh funny enough professionally i'm actually a police sergeant down here in southwest ohio so southwest ohio like where uh i'm fellow buckeye my friend i'm from dayton look at you all right Go Bucks, because it's the only thing we got going for us. Football. Well, you <laughs> probably you are you a Bengals fan? Uh, yes, by proximity. Oh, yeah. Love the gingers down there. All right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, uh, but you know, I'm I'm a cop by trade, and like a lot of us, uh, I go to my happy spot, which is the backyard, to grill, and that's really what kind of gets me through day in and day out. It's uh, for me, it's to entertain friends and family. I started the blog probably seven years ago as a kind of a way of outletting what I do for dinner. I've always had a knack for photography and video, and by talking about what I do and putting it online was a, a great outlet for me. Uh, the rest is kind of history. It just took off from there, and uh, that's still what I do day in and day out. So seven years you've been doing the blog here. Is it something that you ever aspire to be able to do full-time and you know hang up the weapons, or do you still really love being a, a law enforcement officer and this is going to remain a hobby for the foreseeable future? You know, I love what I do. I'm proud of what I do. Uh, but most certainly, I've got to retire one day. It's a young man's game, and retirement for me is not that far away. So uh, most certainly, I kind of look towards the future. Uh, it's been nice uh, the last couple of years. I've had a lot of different opportunities. Uh, I also I work for Weber Grills. I blog for them. I'm their uh, quote-unquote official grillographer. We see a lot of my work and photos on Weber's social channels, uh, as well as do a lot of work for their print and uh, campaigns where I'll go and do all the grill work that you'll see in a lot of their commercials for television uh, or online. So uh, it's just been a lot of fun. I'm blessed for my career, but uh, as you can probably imagine, I also love cooking over live fire, and that's kind of my passion lately. Do you, are, does Weber reach out to you, or how do you, how do you kind of put that whole deal together? I mean, I, I got to imagine that's a lot of people's dream situation. Yeah, I know. I'm very, very lucky. Um, yeah, it's, it's a back and forth. Uh, I, I work for them from a freelance capacity. Uh, so I will put out regular content or content for them through their blog. Uh, and a lot of the pictures that you see typically through their social channels uh, are, are mine from Another Pint Please or stuff I'm actually commissioning for them. 
so yeah, it's a great relationship. It's a great company. And of course, I absolutely love their grills. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And the customer service, uh, bar none, is best in the industry. And that's why I will continue to buy Weber in some capacity, probably until I end up going into the ground and then I can pass them along to the kids. Uh, anotherpintplease.com is the website. Check it out here while we're talking, especially check out the coolest video that I have seen in recent memory, which is the <laughs> go cam on the head, and you're kind of getting the top-down grilling whole uh, situation. I mean, you edit great. I mean, it was uh, super fun to watch, so I recommend everybody. So from what we see, which is a great, again, editing job and, and the whole production value of it, like how long does it take to film versus how much we actually get to see in the finished product? You know, for something like the the night of the grill video, uh, it was basically just grilling dinner, something about an hour probably, and then for that video, maybe an hour or so of editing. So, unlike tailgating, which I recommend you plan for, that was kind of unplanned. You know, we all get that kind of hair and say, "Hey, let's do this." You know, it's raining. I'm going to cook dinner. I'm going to put a camera on my head and run around the back deck and hope something <laughs> comes out of it. And that's kind of what happened there. Uh, so, yeah, a couple hours. You know, for two to three minutes, it's surprising how much goes into that. Oh yeah. But it's a lot of fun. No doubt. Uh, we're talking with Mike Lang, and he's the creator of Another Pint Please. Anotherpintplease.com is the website. All right, Mike, so we're here to talk about tailgating tonight. As I mentioned, you know, we're into the professional football here, you know, almost four weeks now, whatever it is, maybe five weeks. Uh, the college football season has been going on. Uh, that's obviously well known for the tailgating as well. So it seems that maybe over the last, let's say, five to ten years, I wouldn't say tailgating has become more popular because, uh, but because of social media and the technology, you're seeing it in a much different way. So it almost seems like it might have become more popular and uh, more of the the in thing to do. But the diehards of 20 years ago and 30 years ago, they've been doing it like this forever and ever. What do you like about tailgating? Uh, and to start, I guess, where do you start to? make a successful tailgate because you don't want to show up in a parking lot and fall flat on your face unless you're drunk. Uh, yeah, and that could be something yeah. totally different. But right. you're right, though. I mean, the biggest thing is a plan and not a plan the morning of, but days before. And I don't care if you're doing it for the game, you're doing it for an event at home, or you want to spend out time with your friends and your family, but get a plan, write it out. Uh, if it's you know particular cook times, depending upon what you're doing, multiple courses, figure out what those times are going to be get everything together, and have a plan. As far as the plan is concerned, and perhaps more importantly, the menu, do you have to know your skill set first before you decide the menu? Because I'm guessing you probably don't want to think you're a much better cook than you are, and once you get to perform, you know, it's kind of like, not uh, not rising to the occasion, if you will, and people are leaving disappointed, aside from yourself, who hasn't met expectation as well. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm not going to choose an event like that to try something I've never grilled before. I typically want it to be things tried and true that I know. I know what my limitations are going to be, the limitations of where I'm going to be grilling. So certainly it's not the time to try that great new idea that you had a couple days ago after three or four beers and hope it's a, a winning success because it probably will not be unless you plan for it and you prepare for it. Good tools of the trade when it comes to tailgating. Do you suggest, you know, the, the big rigs? Do you suggest something that is more transient in size? What do you think works best or, or what do you see that works best? You know, in terms of grill, of course, uh, I'm a huge fan of the Weber Q line. 
for such a small, portable grill, it is absolutely amazing how much power they have and how much versatility they have. Um, you know, over the last couple of years, I've actually grilled on queues in a lot of crazy places outside of parking lots. Uh, and every time that I've done it, they have totally blown out my expectations as far as what they're capable of doing. Charcoal is great. I love to cook on charcoal. But of course, if you're talking about taking a grill someplace else, heating up coals, in dealing with live fire, it can be problematic at times, which is why the Q is a nice addition as a gas grill to give you flexibility, ease of transport, and ease of storage. So when it comes to the menu, a lot of people are going to think burgers. A lot of people are going to think hot dogs. Some people might get a little bit more exotic with some ribs or some half chickens or whatever. But you know, what do you what do you like to do? And what are some of those kind of out of the box items that aren't you know they don't require like a Michelin chef to prepare them, but <laughs> can kind of give you a little bit of a wow factor in front of the crowd. You know, yeah, if you want to leave the sous chef at home, it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, last month I was pretty lucky. I wrote an article on tailgating for Sports Illustrated, and that was one of the things that they want to talk about. What is different? What's not just burgers and brats? Yeah. Uh, and for me, that's things that you can typically eat with one hand. Uh, you know, marinated uh, skirt stick skewers are fabulous. I love to cook on planks, whether it be cedar or hickory or maple or whatever. Uh, two things happen. Number one, Cooking on a plank is incredibly forgiving. Uh, it's a great surface for appetizers. It's a great surface for a main meal. Not only do you have a forgiving cook time, it's also great for presentations. You can crank it right off the grill, put it to your serving area. Not only is it something that your guests and probably the people around you are going to enjoy, uh, but it's awesome to look at. Another pintplease.com, the website we're talking with Mike Lane, creator of that. Mike, in regards to plank, I do have a, a line of friendship with uh, what many would consider to be the master planker, Ted Reader, up in Canada. Uh, uh, but you are uh, a, a planker, a, a lover of planking as well. So if you could kind of you know back it uh, up just a few seconds here and talk to us about uh, selecting uh, the proper plank and prepping the plank and how many uses are you getting out of a plank, stuff like this. Yeah, I mean, for the plank, you know, the most important thing typically is to make sure that you soak it ahead of time. Depending upon if you're cooking it direct or indirect, you don't want your plank to be some sort of flambe in the middle of your, your masterpiece of the tailgate. Uh, I like it not only for a main course. I know for the SI article I talked about doing a uh, – it was a double-bone pork chop with a cider reduction. Uh, but things as simple as uh, some plank potato chips I cranked out last week. Uh, you know, stuffed pepper dudes are fantastic. Even something simple as a tomato with a little bit of mozzarella and some basil on it. You put it on a plank. You put that plank over a live fire. The plank's going to smolder and catch fire, and you're adding different levels to what you're cooking. And when it comes to a great grilled meal, those multiple layers of flavor are what make for an incredibly memorable experience. Have you used any other liquid other than water when you're smoking a plank? I'm sure people are... You know, thinking, well, if I wine, it's going to maybe give me this flavor profile smoke, or if I put it in beer, you know, what have you. The, the gamut runs endless. So have you done anything like that? You know, I have. I typically find I prefer beer in my glass, uh, that really the results <laughs> to a plank are kind of negligible. Uh, so for me, it's been water, uh, and it works really well. And if you get more flavor out of it by using some other kind of adjunct or, or, or a beer or wine, more power to you. But for me, water, you know, fits the bill. So you talked about making sure that you soak it and if you're going to be cooking over direct heat or indirect heat. Is there a soak difference time if you're going to be putting it over live coals versus if you're going to have it offset? 
Yeah, if you're really going to be cooking direct for an extended period of time, I would say probably more than 12, 15 minutes. Really make sure you get your soak in. If you're going to cook indirect mostly, uh, just as another way of flavoring it, you know, you cook it, let's say you cook some meat direct on the grill that you want to put it on the plank to sort of finish it off. You know, indirect's fine probably with a minimal soak. And I've run into the mistake before of not soaking it and putting something over direct and come outside 20 minutes later and it's like the 4th of July. So it's going to happen to all of us, but certainly a soak's going to help prevent that. So what kind of a smoke flavor profile is being put on? Is it mild? Is it somewhere in the, in the medium situation? Like what can one expect to have as far as a, a flavor additive? Yeah, it's typically pretty mild, and a lot of it depends upon the surface area, how much of whatever you're grilling is in touch with the plank, and then, of course, how much that plank is actually smoldering. You want to make sure you're not just putting it on wood and then throwing it on the grill. You want that plank to actually catch fire a little bit, so you add that smokiness to it. That smoke is as close to the meat as possible, uh, and it really, to me, makes an incredibly interesting dish out of a number of different things. Mike Lang joining me here on the show uh, talking about tailgating. You've used the term home gating as well. Uh, I'm supposing that this is for folks that want to take in all the food spectacle but don't want to do it in a situation where there's going to be a lot of other people and parking situations and drunk people and what have you. Uh, I mean, can, is the menu for home gating the same thing as you're going to be doing for tailgating? Or because you're home, are you able to get a little bit more intricate now? Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Not everybody wants to go anywhere, has the means to go everywhere, but the same thing holds true. You know, you want to be able to enjoy the game, enjoy your friends, so still you have to have a plan. You want to prep everything ahead of time as much as possible. Your goal is to get food on the grill, not get food ready for the grill. So whether you're at home or in a parking lot, the same process is going to hold true. And a lot of times home gating can be just as much fun or even more so by taking out the crowds and watching it on the big screen. In regards to the plank being cooked on, is it a one-and-done situation, or can you kind of scrub it down and, and reuse? Yeah, I mean, probably 90% of the time I'm going to use it. Unless I use something on it, typically seafood, that really sets into it. Um, I may not reuse it again, but I'm at least getting two or three uses out of a plank easily by scrubbing it down and reusing it. Can I go to, like, Home Depot and make my own planks, or are these things that you really want to buy because you know people are doing the right thing and you're not possibly getting some kind of treated pine pressed into something or you know not dealing with anything that could get you sick or isn't real healthy yeah you you want to be careful i mean of course you you could do that you got to make sure it's untreated wood uh but you know make sure that you're using something that's that's good for you that's using you know machines that have got food safe lubricant in it that are making these planks uh you're probably better off buying your own just to be sure uh, at least that's what I recommend. That's what I've been doing successfully for quite a while. All right, so there's ones that I could go and get at Lowe's or Home Depot or any of the big box stores. Are there brands out there that, you know, I'm sure you've messed around with a whole bunch of them that you recommend or that you like specifically? Yeah, no, I'm a huge fan of Outdoor Gourmet, uh, OutdoorGourmet.com. They're in uh, Sandpoint, Idaho, and they're really probably one of the first manufacturers of wood planks in the U.S., they make an incredible product. It was a small family-owned business that went from uh, forestry work to and planking. And now, of course, it's reversed. They do planking mostly than anything else. Uh, but their product is absolutely fantastic, and I, I love using their stuff. Can't recommend it enough. In regards to menu, let's say I'm going to be going to uh, the Browns game this coming weekend, and it's I'm tasked with doing the tailgate cooking. You know, 
what are some recipes that you've either been working on or ones that you might be trying or ones that you know are, are good that uh, we can look at trying out this coming weekend? Yeah, I kind of touched on it before. I like this a simple marinated um, skirt steak skewer. Uh, skirt steak is very easy to eat because if you, you cut it just right, you're going to go across the, the muscle fibers. It comes right off in your mouth. Uh, a marinade for it acts, adds that extra flavor into it so you can have it marinate overnight, pop it on on game day, slap it on the grill, and four minutes later with one meat skewer and one hand for your beer, you're having lunch. Uh, I like to throw in something for vegetarian friends. You know, grilled romaine is fantastic on the grill, and it takes literally two minutes to grill. You know, a little bit of salt and pepper, some olive oil, one minute on each side, pop it off, put on some, you know, Parmesan shavings, a little bit of a, a balsamic vinaigrette, and you've got a meal. It's either going to be a salad for your main course or an entire meal for a vegetarian friend. You're talking pizzas later. Pizza's a great possibility, too. Uh, and I'm sure you'll get into that more, but, you know, you can prep your dough ahead of time, whether it's bought from the store uh, or you make it yourself. Bring it on game day, roll it out with your fingers, have a bar of toppings, grill them directly on the grates. Uh, and you've got a, a, a meal that's going to suit a wide variety of tastes because they can make their own. Mike and don't Lang, forget dessert. Yeah, absolutely. Mike Lang joining me here on the show, anotherpintplease.com, the website. Mike, Obviously, with a name like Another Pint Please, you're probably into the beer situation. Do you? Are, are, would you classify yourself as a beer snob or just a, <laughs> a, a guy who likes to drink a lot of beer? Um, where do you come out on that? Uh, how about a beer enthusiast? All right, beer enthusiast. I'm a beer enthusiast. I was. Uh, do you find that certain ones pair with, like, do you go out of your way in a tailgate to pair everything up together so you're getting a full experience? Yeah, I I don't go out of my way all the time to pair up. I usually, you know, I always say drink what you like, you know, just because you're not trying to fit a mold. Well, I'm having beef. I should have, you know, uh, an imperial stout. No, no, drink what you like. And I think, too, to keep in mind as well, if you're going to go uh, for a tailgating event or an all-day event, think something more on the sessionable side of the beer scale. And that is beers with a lower alcohol content that you can drink more of without getting too far in the bag versus, you know, shooting off with a, an 11% Russian imperial stout and you're asleep in the car before kickoff. So, All right, last question before I let you go, and uh, completely one that's coming off the top of my head here because I like to roll off the cup. This uh, root beer beer that <laughs> I have seen racing all over the internets and the Facebooks and stuff, highly overrated or highly good? Uh, I, a little bit of both. I had one. I go, it's interesting, and that's probably the only one I've had. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 the most overhyped shit I've ever heard of in my life. I just saw all about it. My buddy brought one over, told me how great it was. Here's what I think, and you would know better than anybody because, A, you have a, a website that's related to food, and you're a police officer, so you know what uh, the mob mentality is like. If one person <laughs> says it's good, it gets on Facebook, and 5,800 people pick it up, I don't even think you're think you're allowed to say it sucks. But it sucks. It's just like that Giada De Laurentiis has a big fat head on her body. I mean, let's call a spade a spade. I mean, you're allowed to not like stuff, right? You are. You know, I've got one bottle that my fridge has been there for four months. <laughs> that should say something. Yeah, like you're probably going to use it to cook with next instead That's of putting it. That's usually my shelf for cooking. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not going to drink it. I'm going to cook with it. Yeah, if you want to check Mike Lang out, he is the creator of Another Pint, please. Again, the website anotherpintplease.com. You can see him on the Twitter at anotherpintpls, which is short for please. Uh, Mike, really appreciate you coming on tonight, talking uh, tailgating. Let's do it again soon, man. Great. Thanks, I Appreciate it. It was a blast. Yeah, you got it. There he is.
Mike Lang. Dayton police officer, so watch out for that. But uh, check out his blog. I mean, I really like somebody that's putting in the effort to kind of keep things fresh and exciting. And that webcam thing, that was pretty cool. It's a good two or three minute thing. Matt Boer. I heard Pats fans bring microwaves and liquid smokes to tailgates so they can cheat there as well. Hey, I'll take a cheater that wins every day of the week. I know what it's like to root for losers. By the way, Patrick Paquette said that uh, Browns fans use, what it was, essential for a Cleveland Browns tailgate, antidepressants. No kidding. It's no joke. That's real life. Folks, I'm going to talk to you about the longest-running sponsor of the show, the Barbecue Guru, automatic pit temperature-controlled devices. If you're a busy working professional, if you're on the run with kids all the time, and you don't have time to set around and tend pit temps, I get it. The Barbecue Guru gets it, too. That's why you can get one of these devices that allows you to throw on a pork butt, a brisket, a couple slabs of ribs, or maybe all of that stuff, and you can do whatever it is you need to get done. The Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. They have the CyberQ Wi-Fi, the DigiQ DX2, the PartyQ. PartyQ, starting at $149, easiest, most cost-effective point of entry. doesn't have all of the bells and whistles that you're going to get with something like the CyberQ Wi-Fi, but if you need a cruise control for that pit, you want to set the temperature, you want to take it from one pit to the next, you want something that is self-contained and runs on AA batteries, the PartyQ is something you're going to want to check out. Onyx Oven still out there in regards to cookers. Holds a ton of meat. Wins on the competition trail. Wins in the backyards. Accommodates the half and food uh, full pans for food service. Works seamlessly with the automatic pit temperature control devices from the Barbecue Guru. Do yourself a favor. This is the easiest thing to do. Head on over to thebbqguru.com and check out their products. If you have any questions about what to order, don't guess. Don't guess. Call them. They're hoping you'll call them. 800-288-GURU. They will make sure you're outfitted with a to get you up and running right out of the box. Again, the number 800-288-GURU or the website, thebbqguru.com. The Barbecue Guru, a breakthrough in barbecue technology. By the way, uh, Bob Trudnak in Germany right now, if you can believe. Going crazy. International barbecue crazy. We are back with Southside Market's Brian Bracewell right after this. Talk about Japanese beef. What, you ask? Stay tuned. You'll see what we're talking about. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show right here on the Barbecue Central Radio Networks. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Howdy do. Welcome back. Thanks again to Mike Lang. Another pint, please, for joining me this past segment. The portion of the Barbecue Central Show being brought to you by Green Mountain Grills, manufacturers of some of the best pellet grills on the market today. If you're looking for a cooker of the house, a lot of food, they got one for you. How about something in the medium size range? They got you covered there, too. Something for those tailgates like we just talked about? Yeah, they can do it. 
also uh, they can also <laughs> supply you with wood pellets to fire those cookers, so they can got you covered all the way around. It's fabulous. You visit GreenMountainGrills.com. You will love exactly what they have to offer. Again, GreenMountainGrills.com. All right, joining me now is a legend in Texas barbecue. His place has the distinction of being the oldest barbecue joint in the great state of Texas. Tonight, we're going to talk a little bit about Far East beef, if you will. So let's go ahead and race over to the hotline. And welcome to Pitmaster of Southside Market and Barbecue, Brian Bracewell, joining me here on the show. Brian, how are you, buddy? Doing great. Good. Uh, Glad pre- to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And appreciate you making time for the show tonight. Um, Brian, if we could, uh, before we get into the Japanese talk and kind of learn about what you were up to, uh, you know, maybe just a, a very thumbnail sketch on Southside Market, as I mentioned in the open, oldest barbecue joint in Texas. So, you know, kind of how you, when you guys got in business and, and how you've grown to present day. Sure. Well, uh, Southside has been around since 1882, uh, started out as a small German butcher shop really a guy named William Moon uh, slaughtered cattle and pigs out in the country and actually um, sold fresh meat door to door from the back of a horse-drawn buggy he'd drive to town and whatever he didn't sell that day he had to learn how to smoke it or make sausage and so fortunately for us he must not have been a very good salesman uh, <laughs> because we got into the bar quick so that's got to be like a, a super tough gig, right? You, you don't sell. I mean, you you got a whole bunch of stuff on your cart. That's uh, that's the backbone of every small-town butcher shop and a lot of uh, barbecue joints in Central Texas. Uh, as humble beginnings as, as really just a small butcher shop. And um, what, whatever was left over one day was on the menu the next day. And so in 1886, he opened up a brick-and-mortar uh, business in downtown Elgin. It was really just the uh, small town butcher shop that sold barbecue in the back. And fast forward uh, to 1968, my grandfather bought the business uh, from Mr. Moon, or not from Mr. Moon. It had gone through, I guess my grandfather was the sixth owner. Uh, quite a storied history. Uh, he had, uh, his history was in uh, meat distribution. He was a salesman, worked for Armour Swift and Company. And um, I actually called on this business, and those guys were looking to get out. State inspection was coming down the pipeline, and so he bought the business. Uh, and then I'm the third generation of my family uh, to work in it. So fast forward 47 years, and now we're the barbecue joint that still sells fresh meat on the side. We still have a butcher shop. Uh, we have a USDA-inspected processing plant. We make and distribute our own sausage products, same one. One of the same ones that we made back in 1882, um, and we just opened our second restaurant a year ago. So, do you have a uh, a Southside Market potential next generation owner in the mix too to keep it going? I told my wife when we got married, you know, that's kind of the retirement <laughs> plan for a family business, and so I started working here when I was 12, um, and we were aging a little bit. I just turned 40. And luckily, we got twin nine-year-old boys on the ground right now. So uh, there, that's that's the retirement plan. There you go, double pit masters in the making. So uh, got a got a good uh, history to follow for sure. All right, so if you could talk to me a little bit about how you were able to kind of get over to Japan and you know what the what the idea was for you getting over there and what you're going to be talking about. 
Sure. Well, I uh, I graduated from Texas A&M University, have a degree in meat science and technology. And so I stay in pretty close touch, just 90 miles down the road from us. So I stay in pretty close touch with those guys. And through them, the meat science department, uh, have some relationships with the Texas Beef Council and therefore the United States Meat Export Federation. And the Texas Beef Council and the USMEF, they're always looking to uh, drive exports uh, and uh, raise the demand for beef, not only in Texas and in the states, but worldwide. And so because barbecue, Texas barbecue, brisket, barbecue all over the United States is kind of riding a a wave of popularity right now, they wanted to uh, go to Japan, kind of get back some of the exports that we lost after the uh, uh, BSE scare a few years back. And they wanted to use Texas barbecue as, as a hook to help make that happen. And so... We traveled with them and put on some cooking demonstrations, talked about the attributes of uh, U.S. beef. And um, we got an audience that was willing to listen uh, because of the barbecue, really. Uh, Brian Bracewell joining me here on the show, Southside Market and Barbecue. The website southsidemarket.com if you want to check it out here while we're talking. Uh, Brian, I guess, you know, the first thing that jumps off in my mind, you know, there'll be a lot of foreign places that I that would seem to make a lot of sense to me that you would bring a, a Texas guy or, you know, somebody that knows American barbecue and the meat and stuff, because maybe that's something they just don't have a lot of. They don't have access to me. Japan is probably like the only place that I can think of that has the best cuts of beef in the world in their no market, doubt. you know, and they, they ship it over here and we have, you know, the, the Wagyu stuff that's kind of like supposed to compete or whatever, but... What's the like? Where's the win for a place that has what's widely considered to be the best beef in the world? How do you guys kind of fit into that? Well, you know, it was really interesting. We actually got to tour a slaughter plant uh, and see the whole system of how they market their Kobe beef, uh, their Wagyu uh, style of beef, and so all the the typical farm in Japan is three point seven acres, and they have a couple of head of cattle and that's it huge farm <laughs> yeah yeah and so to, to talk about texas farms and vast grasslands is totally foreign to them they really had a hard time understanding that uh so a lot of those wagyu cattle are, are grow grown uh in small family farms sent to the slaughter plant the the owner retains ownership of it through the slaughter plant and then they auction it off uh, after it's slaughtered based on quality. They quality grade it and then actually auction the whole carcass right there on the rail. And these carcasses were selling for between U.S. $10,000 and $20,000 for their highest quality grade was an A5. Uh, and these were 12, 14, 1,600-pound carcasses. So big animals, high, highly valuable uh, and so that that kind of led into why U.S. beef makes sense for them for barbecue cuts because Wagyu and Kobe cuts are, are normally very small portions, thinly sliced. Um, the eating habits in Japan are pretty different than what we have. Uh, you don't sit down and eat a Wagyu brisket. You eat very thinly sliced uh, meat, either cooked really in boiled in boiling water or um, uh, cooked Korean barbecue style. Uh, and so U.S. beef is a good option for them. We're, 
the United States is not trying to compete with the Kobe trade because they're, they're doing what they're doing. They're doing a great job of it. Uh, but Japan has to go outside of their country for 60% of their food. Um, just because their population, uh, forget the percentage, but it was close to half of the Island is, is not viable for agriculture. And so, uh, the United States is trying to come in and, and fit a, a niche that, uh, the, that they're not feeling right now Brian, with their own beef. You'd mentioned how much the Kobe carcasses were bringing, and I, I'm going to guess the vast majority of my listeners have no point of reference for that. So, you know, in the in the states, like what is a what, what would a carcass bring? Like, where's the 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 differentiation? Uh oh, now you're going to make me lie to you. I, I don't know. <laughs> oh, real? I mean, I, I figured it was like staggering. Yeah, it is. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say twenty five hundred bucks in that range. So quite, I mean, you're looking at basically potentially quadruple or even more than that for uh, for the Japanese counterpart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yep. that's uh, that's huge. So, uh, so boiling beef sounds gross, and uh, <laughs> you know the the Korean style. I mean, you know, I've seen it, but sure. When you're talking barbecue to them. Well, let me back up and ask a, a different question. So if they're looking at the United States to bring meat in, are, is there competition for the United States? Are they looking at other countries to, to bring beef in as well that we would have to compete with? No doubt. Uh, Japan is so dependent on foreign food products that every country is trying to get in. Uh, the folks that have the biggest foothold right now are Australian beef companies. And so the Aussie beef is the biggest competition for the United States right now. Uh, and as you may know, all of their beef is grass-fed. Uh, it's good beef, but it just doesn't have the marbling, doesn't have the quality scores that uh, U.S. beef will have. And so what we were trying to demonstrate is uh, if you want to produce uh, United States American barbecue, you need to use American beef to make that happen because uh, it's just a totally different experience if you're going to try to smoke a, an Aussie brisket. So when you're over there, do you have equipment to actually demonstrate and successfully barbecue a brisket for the process that you're used to doing? And then what's their reaction to the American, you know, brisket finished product? Sure. Well, fortunately, I have a good friend who has a, a business over there. His name is Craig White. And his business's name is uh, White Smoke, and he's based out of Tokyo and uh, met him Six or eight years ago, he's from San Antonio, showed up one day and said, hey, I'm in Tokyo. I'm a Texan. I want to learn how to make barbecue and start a restaurant over there. Can I come spend some time with you? And so didn't know him from Adam, came by Elgin. We spent some time together. Fast forward six years, he's got a, a restaurant uh, that he has turned into a meat plant because the, the retailers over there are wanting simple things like what we take for granted, bacon. Uh, brisket, sausage, and so he turned his restaurant into a processing plant and is distributing his products in Tokyo right now. So I was able to use his facility. Uh, he's a Texas boy. He knows how to smoke a brisket and some pretty good beef ribs and make beef sausage. And so we used his facility to make that happen, which I was very thankful for because after that trip, we uh, headed to Korea and did the uh, – same thing, and I was in the basement of a hotel trying to <laughs> make Texas barbecue, and uh, 
that was more challenging. So when you're handing out the samples and you know showing everybody how it's done, like what's the what's the vibe there? People want to be a part of it. Uh, is it just something they kind of marvel at, but they don't really think they're going to be able to execute it at home? Like what's the temperature there? Oh, it was great. Uh, everybody was interested. Uh, they really wanted to learn the nuances of how to make authentic barbecue. Uh, the Japanese culture that, you know, what I learned was they're real um, intentional uh, about about their quality. They want it to be top-notch. Uh, they're, they're craftsmen, really, in, in all their trades uh, that I was uh, subject to and are exposed to. And so they really wanted to know exactly what any uh, of the folks listening to your show want to know about how to make good barbecue. And authentic is a word that means something to, to them. Traditional is something, a word that means a lot to them. Uh, they want the real deal. And so they were all ears. They were very receptive. Um, it's a niche product for them. They're, you know, traditionally people won't sit down and eat a half a pound of sausage and a half pound of brisket like <laughs> uh, like I do normally, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's got its place. Brian Bracewell joining me here on the show from Southside Market Barbecue, uh, southsidemarket.com, the website. So, like, where where did you guys leave it? Is it something you're going to be going back on a regular basis? Or are they going to be contracting you out to kind of keep up relations with uh, Japanese in regards to barbecue? How does that work out? Uh a free plane ticket and a Cubs game. I'll go anywhere. So hey, we'll, we'll see what happens. That's my that's my price. <laughs> the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa! You got a don't you have a good team down there yet? You're well, kind we got of a couple of them. Yeah. I have a feeling this year that the Cubs might do something. So yeah, might as been, well throw that out there. They've been saying that for about 110 years, I think. Right. So they haven't had the Texans pulling for them yet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Things could change, no doubt about it. Uh, again, we're talking with Brian Bracewell, and the website is southsidemarket.com. And you do have, uh, in regards to the, the southsidemarket.com website, you do have, like, uh, mail-order barbecue, right? Yes, sir. We have an online store. Uh, we produce all of our authentic Texas barbecue and sausage products uh, under USDA inspection, which gives us the ability to, to ship it anywhere. And, uh, the same barbecue pits we use in our restaurant every day, uh, we use in the plant, throw wood on the fire, good old Texas post oak. So if I order up a, a brisket tomorrow and I follow the directions, it's going to be like really good, or it's going to be as good as <laughs> like brisket delivery can be. I mean, that kind of scares me, I guess, as a guy that likes to make it in his backyard. Delivery, sure. the word delivery kind of gets me freaked a little bit. Well, the way we produce them, um, it'll be the same exact briskets we pull off the pit to serve here in the restaurant. Uh, the difference is we chill them, package them uh, in a cryovac, you know, vacuum package, freeze them, and then ship them frozen on dry ice. So it's never going to be as good as your backyard or in fresh in my restaurant, but it's uh, uh, for folks that don't want to spend. 14, 16 hours to do that is pretty darn good. No doubt. Uh, you can try it out at southsidemarket.com. Brian, really appreciate the conversation tonight. Thanks so much for coming on. Happy to be here. Anytime. There he is. Brian Bracewell from Southside Market and Barbecue, southsidemarket.com, the website. And again, the oldest barbecue joint in, I almost said Cleveland, in Texas. 
So uh, as a state that is studded with barbecue restaurants, he got the oldest one, and he's got some pitmasters in training as well. So look to continue on that as time moves on. All right, gang, let's talk about it. The easiest and most efficient way to make your barbecue and grilling game even better than it might be already. Heading to ButcherBBQ.com. Truth be told, from one week to the next, I was a liar from last week. to the. I said I was going to put in my order of uh, grilling oils, and I didn't do it last week. I'm sorry. That's my fault. I just get so excited. Sometimes I forget about stuff. Just ask my wife. Look, we all know Butchers is well-known for the tried-and-true products. Do you have any idea how many people are going to be using Butchers barbecues injections for this coming weekend? Like 80 to 90% of cook teams. That's my guess. Allegedly. The number is going to be high. Why? Well, why do you think all these people are spending their money on Dave's products? Uh, Here's a hint. Ready for this? Oh, they work. That's right. They work. They work for Dave. They work for a bunch of other teams as well. So if you want to give your shot at winning the American Royal, you know, I can't control the heat. I can't control a lot of the flavor profile stuff that you're going to be doing because I'm not there to help you win it. But I can tell you that if you use Butcher Barbecue products, even at the very last minute here, time is running out. You're going to put yourself in the best position to win. Best position to win, folks. Come on now. Now, maybe you like uh, rubs or you're looking for a new rub. Good for you. Steak and brisket rub from Dave is great. How about the honey barbecue rub? One of my favorites. Love it. Use it all the time. They got a premium rub. Use that, especially if you inject with butchers. It is formulated the injection. Perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. Of course, the sweet barbecue sauce. Look, when it comes to sauce, I'm as picky as it gets. I've said it time and time again. I just got a bunch of new sauces into trial. It's not going to air, folks. They're bad. I can drink Butcher's Barbecue Sauce out of the bottle. Think I'm lying? Go back in the archives. I've done it. It's good. Get a box of six. It's going to go fast. Don't worry about breaking the bank on shipping either. Between uh, anything up to 55 bucks ships at $8.50. Between 55 and 200 ships at $9.75. Anything over $200 ships for free. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. That's ButcherBBQ.com. Always trust your butcher. We're back to wrap the first hour right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, here we go. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Thanks again to Brian Bracewell for joining me this past segment. How great was he? Awesome. Southsidemarket.com. Southsidemarket.com. And so the question is, do I buy 
I can write it off for the show because I'm I can roll like that. Do I buy brisket and test it out? You know, my thought my thought is, yeah, I mean, of course, why not? You know, thank the guy for coming on, support him a little bit, buy one of those briskets. Because I am forced to be honest with you guys, I'm scared. I'm not scared that the brisket is going to be bad. Nay, I'm scared that the brisket is going to be so good that uh, I'm not going to be able to act. I'm going to have to pass it off as my own. No! People are going to taste it and be like, oh, you're always cooking brisket. Yeah, I I I didn't do that. I just reheated it. That's what I'm most scared of, that it's going to be so good. I'm screwed. I'll never be able to cook my own brisket again. Although the time savings, you don't want to spend 14 to 16 hours, you know, as Mike said, or as uh, Brian said. It's give and take, right? It's always trade-offs here on the show. All right, uh, we're going to step away here briefly. We're going to reload for the second hour. we got lots of great interviews to talk about. We have a weekly barbecue roundup. A lot of people that have been on the show in recent memory have put a grand championship effort together this past weekend. Lots of familiar names, as you will see here once we creep over into the second hour. Two great interviews. Your phone calls, your emails. The winner of the... Sucklebusters is Manchild3379. Congratulations. I don't know who that is. Manchild3379. Shoot me your shipping info. We'll get you hooked up with that Sucklebusters sauce. All right. uh, We reload for the second hour. Stick around. We'll be right back. to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show we cook because we have to and we grill because we want to hit me fine how's it going (laughs) we have a great show of a big fan so what 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 seems to be the problem here this man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? He ate two for wiener. Oh, listen, Lavernius, shut face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. Yeah, just like that, we're back in the second hour. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Congratulations, folks. You have found and or otherwise inadvertently tapped into the Barbecue Central radio show, video show, show show. hey yo, Yeah. It's the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. 
We broadcast live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am the aforementioned host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday. Charlie G is the winner from Islip, New York. Islip, yeah. Used to fly into Islip on my private jet. You know I keep the private jet. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. Visit CookinPellets.com for more information. Or to purchase, you can also purchase Cookin' Pellets at Amazon.com as well. Thanks to Chris Becker. Still to come tonight on the show, Hot Grill on Grill, Pitmaster talking pizza, Matt Frampton. Get ready for Matt. And then after him at 1035, Pitmaster of Mama Papa Joe's Barbecue, Clarence Joseph will be recounting a big win this past weekend at the San Antonio Barbecue Cookoff. The Sam's Club Barbecue Series rolled into South, Ma- South Maven, Mississippi this past weekend. This was a regional final, the last regional final, by the way, that feeds the last top 10 teams into the Bentonville, Arkansas final. Those top 10 teams moving on, completing the final field of 50, winning it. I did mention lots of familiar names winning this past weekend. Travis Clark and Clark Crew Barbecue. Oh, my. Another one. Every time they're out there winning. These guys are crazy. Smokeaholics was reserved. Shake and Bake Barbecue third. Fourth place, Tattoo Bob's Barbecue. Fifth place, Sleepy Hollow. Sixth place, Outlaw Hogs Barbecue. Sixth place, Hog Tide Barbecue. Eighth, Brickhead Barbecue. Ninth, Serious Q Barbecue. And tenth place, tenth place, Smoking in the Dark. So congratulations to those ten in two weeks' time. It goes down on the tenth. So I will tell you that the next Sam's Club event is the national finals in Bentonville, Arkansas, on October 10th. So not this coming Saturday, but a week from this coming Saturday, we will have a wiener. Now you know what time it is. It used to be produced. It's not produced anymore. It's the weekly barbecue roundup. We're going to do it for September 25th slash 26th, the weekly barbecue roundup. I am your roundup spitter, Greg Rempe. Jim Bowie barbecue throwdown in Vidalia, Louisiana. Cajun Blaze winning that one with a 714.8. Murfreesboro barbecue cookoff in Murfreesboro, Illinois, winning at Gillies Barbecue with a 693.1. Butts and Beans barbecue challenge, Newton, North Carolina. Smoke on this, winning it with a 700.5. The second, Rupert barbecue in Hurton. Where the hell is that? Winning it, Southern Dutch Barbecue with a 678.3. Bama Brew and Q, Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Smoke Me Silly winning it with a 702.2. Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, Fadeville, Arkansas. Winning it, Buffalo's Barbecue, 689.0. Grilling and Chilling, Owensboro, Kentucky. Warren County Pork Choppers winning it with a 695.9. Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour, Midwest City, Oklahoma. Clark Crew Barbecue winning it with a 694.2. Bergfest Barbecue Competition, Warrensburg, Missouri, winning at Pellet Envy with a 698.3. Shawnee Great Griller State Championship in Shawnee, Kansas, winning at Brew and Barbecue, 
Downtown Jonesboro Barbecue Festival. Jonesboro, Arkansas, winning it. Razorbacks with a 708.0. Wow. The Health Heifers Hogs Hens Smokeout in Delmar, Maryland. Results not in at the time of this recording, which is live right now. Porktober Q, Dothan, Alabama. Ranch House Kitchen winning it with a 688. Bryant's Buzzin' Barbecue Bash in Bryant, Arkansas. Winning it. Lotta Bull Barbecue with a 693.6. Smoke in Park, Limon, Pennsylvania. Winning at Three Eyes Barbecue with a 674.8. Grill Cook Master, Harrisonburg, Virginia. Porkalypse now. Winning it with a 689.6. Oak Grove Barbecue and Lemon Festival. Oak Grove, Missouri, winning at Team Price Chopper with 693.0. Jammin' and JC Blues and Barbecue Festival, Junction City, Kansas. Grillin' Beavers with a 685.7. The Axarbon Stock Show and Rodeo in Omaha, Nebraska. Porky Butts Barbecue is 693.1. Red, White, and Q, Creekskill, New Jersey. Who won it? The Basic Patrick Barbecue Team with a 674.8. Barbecue on the Hill, Blue Island Hill, Illinois. Bad Axe Barbecue with a 330.8 competitor series. In Texas, International Barbecue Cookers Association. Bucking for Boobs Barbecue. Team Sass wins it. Hill Country Cotton Pickin' Fair, Hillsboro, Texas. Winning that one. Doolin' Stacks, the Jeffrey Inger Memorial Barbecue Cookoff in Magnolia, Texas. Panther Creek winning that one. Colorado County. Fair Eddie Orange Barbecue, Columbus, Texas, winning at Double Barrel Cookers. The Panitas White Wing Festival, Panitas, Texas, Aver Q Sale, winning that one. Texas Golf Coast, the 20th Annual San Antonio Rodeo Barbecue Cookoff. Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue, winning that one. We'll have a discussion with Clarence Joseph after that. Lone Star Barbecue Society, the Barbecue Music Festival, Burnett, Texas, winning at Round Mountain Barbecue. Pow Wow Barbecue Cookoff in Comanche, Texas. Paul Knight winning that one. And the VFW cook-off in Rockney, Texas. Winning it, Pants on the Ground. Pants on the Ground? Looking like a fool with your pants on the... Pants on the Ground winning that one. Oh, my. Another extensive, crazy week, weekend of barbecue competitions. That's your weekly barbecue roundup for this past weekend, uh, September 25th. And we rejoin the show right now. Thanks again to uh, Chuck Mangione for letting me use his music. He didn't. Is Chuck still alive? Is he, can anybody Google, is Chuck Mangione still alive? Blake Moody, this background smooth jazz makes the results all the more sensual. Yeah, deep beef. Injection. I don't know. I mean, I know Chuck Mangione is... In the smooth jazz rotation. He is on 107.3 The Wave all the time. He's one of my favorites. I mean, I've known him back before smooth jazz was even on the radio. Popularly. I love smooth jazz. Brought up, a, brought up on Chuck Mangione. He's from around my house. The top 10 teams for the Kansas City Barbecue Society's Team of the Year. The, and that competition year 
is starting now to rapidly. I said it back in February. I'll say it again as September comes to a quick end, like in two days. 2015 rapidly coming to a close, sitting atop CBS leaderboard for now. Clark Crew Barbecue. The American Dream Barbecue team is currently sitting in second, Iowa Smokey D's in third, getting basted fourth, tied for fourth, Smoke Me Silly, which drops Big Papa Smokers, my favorite Sterling, Sterling Ball to sixth place, Shake and Bake Barbecue seventh, Smokeaholics eight, Yellow River Barbecue ninth, and rounding out the top ten, and good to see him in there as your current KCBS champion, Warren County Pork Choppers, Donnie Bray and the team there, so... Working with one tie in fourth place, we've seen some people uh, either drop in position or some people gain into the top 10. I don't think uh, Warren County was in the top 10 the last couple weeks, but with that win this this past weekend, jumping up into the top 10. So we'll see how it comes down. I don't think he's going to have enough in him to take a repeat of Team of the Year, although I'm sure everybody would love to see it. It's going to be coming down probably to a battle between Travis and uh, David and Christine of uh, Clark Crew and American Dream Barbecue team, respectively. I don't think Darren Worth has any desire to chase after it. If it happens, fine, but uh, I think he doesn't really do that. Or he's not interested in doing that right now, at least. So we'll see how it shakes out. All right, great things are about to happen here for the remainder of your evening. Matt Frampton is going to be on to talk about pizza here in just a few short seconds. So be excited for that. I'm going to talk to you about the CHOPS Power Injector System. It's going to be on display at the American Royal this coming weekend. It's the 2015 Barbecue Tool of the Year. Patent-pending CHOPS Power Injector Systems features not one, not two, but four needles evenly spaced at the distance that is perfect for injecting. Also comes with three plug screws so you can use fewer needles or change the spacing to get around bones. It's versatility, folks. I'm going to break it down. The number one seller of the half-gallon Chops Power Injector System. I have one. I use it. It's great. Designed for the competitor or to pump up the backyard warrior like me. Easy to use. Clean to fill it, pump it, and off you go. You just have one brisket or a pork shoulder. You don't need to fill it all the way up. Just put in what you need. It uses it all. It comes with 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, a needle protector, all that for 100 bucks plus the shipping. The one-gallon CHOPS power injector system designed for catering and bigger jobs. It'll hold double the amount of the half-gallon. That's why they call it the gallon. Some use it in competitions like MBN or if you're going to be cooking 10 shoulders to get that perfect one. They come also with the 14-gauge needles, two replacement plastic needle adapters, three plug screws, and a needle protector for $120 plus shipping anywhere. Then the newest one, the CHOPS full power injector system. It's electric. It's the commercial and competition big daddy. There's no holding tank, but instead a three and a half foot pickup tube that you can put in any size container. From a few ounces to a 55 gallon drum, it was designed for Chef Rob at the best barbecue restaurant in Kansas City. He said time and time again that with the Chops full power injector system, his briskets are better than ever. Comes with metal needle adapters, 14 gauge needles, three inch, 12 gauge needles, two inch, 11 and a half gauge needles, three plug screws, a needle protector, 325 bucks plus shipping anywhere. Cheap. A number of the top pitmasters in the world are using the Chops Power Injector System every day to make their barbecue better than the rest. Because here's the thing, right? We live in a foodie world. Flavor is now required each and every bite. This is how you do it and do it fast. It's not just for meat either. No, it's versatility. How about injecting alcohol into fruit like watermelon? Sound too good to be true? Do it. You'll love it. 
Every injector handmade right in Kansas City, Missouri, USA. You want extra accessories? They got them. You want to shoot medium ground splices? They have you covered for that. They have two, three, and four inch 12 gauge needles. Also, they have a two inch closed tip needle perfect for shooting fatty meats to keep from plugging up the needle fat. They sell replacement stock needle adapters and plug screws. They have a great upgrade you can buy to make your CHOPS power injector bulletproof with metal needle adapters. CHOPS power injector system gives your barbecue power. BarbecueKansasCity.com. That's BarbecueKansasCity.com. Good luck to Dan Uledahl and the team out there this coming weekend. We're going to talk pizza next. Stick around. We'll be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at thebbqcentralshow.com, the email address. This portion of the Barbecue Central Show is being brought to you by iGrill, makers of the most advanced Bluetooth grilling thermometers anywhere on the face of the earth. Monitor the temperature of whatever you're grilling from up to 150 feet away. What? You can use it on your iOS and Android. Use promo code CENTRAL for 15% off your purchase at iDevices, Inc. Grill with precision for crying out loud. You're going to regret it. That's CENTRAL. Promo code CENTRAL for 15% off your order. Who doesn't love a good pizza? Pound for pound, pizza is my singular most favorite food ever. Even the worst pizza is pretty good in my book, but what about pizza on the grill? Well, my next guest is here to help with that task. Let's go ahead and race over to the hotline and welcome in Matt Frampton to the show from Hot Grill on Grill Action. Now, hold on one second, Matt. I've screwed up my audio here real quick. All right. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. How are you, sir? I'm absolutely fantastic. Awesome. Hot Grill on Grill Action is the team. The website, BBQRevolution. Is that right, BBQ Revolution? BBQ Revolution, yeah. Yep. BBQRevolution.com? Dot com, All yes, right, sir. so that's the website if you want to check it out here while we are talking about pizza. So, you know, we've been going back and forth on things completely unrelated to barbecue, but completely related to barbecue, as it were. And in our conversations, you're like, dude, you know, I'm... I'm the man when it comes to pizza, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, I love pizza, and I want to make sure that when people want to grill pizza or however they're going to do it outside, that they give themselves, what's the one thing I want to do with this show always? Give people the best shot at producing at least better than average stuff the first time out. Now, every time after that, I mean, you should always shoot to do better, but you know, initially we wanted to create the enthusiasm and the buzz and the excitement that you did good and you want to keep doing it. And that's why I wanted to have you on tonight when it comes to pizza. So, I mean, it, it's a pretty wide sweeping topic. Uh, so, like, what what do you like best about grilled pizza, Matt? Well, I mean, I think everyone knows that, uh, you know, my first love is is uh, meat barbecue, but uh, a close 1B is, is cooking pizza. And I probably... Over the last few years, made uh, well north of a thousand pizzas on several what? different. What a devices. thousand pizzas! It, and and I and this is just uh, for getting together with friends and family. There's a a, a, a very um, 
friendly competition we have here in Omaha, Nebraska, a few me between me and a couple of buddies. But uh, most of what what I do is just to entertain people. So I've learned quite a bit grill cooking right over uh, hot coals or over gas right on the grate itself. I've cooked on the Green Mountain, uh, made some great pizza on the Green Mountain, and of course the kettle pizza unit, which is an awesome way to get wood fired pizza on the cheap because building an actual you know brick oven at home is yeah you, know, you almost need a second mortgage to do something like that yeah no doubt about it matt frampton joining me here on the show from hot grill on grill action so when we talk about equipment you mentioned a few different items i would imagine that the the, the sweeping majority of folks that listen to this show certainly there's the competition niche that are going to have you know like eight or nine or ten grills like i got of varying shapes and size but that's not the yeah. norm so the norm people are going to probably have one gas grill out in the back and it might have one oblong burner and it's a big piece of crap and they think it's great but it's not <laughs> but that's why this show is here because we want to help people along the way but this is what they're dealing with so how do you grill you know a good pizza on various types of equipment or what are the best ways to do it on the various types of equipment well, if you're going to use just a gas grill or even a kettle with coals, it's pretty much the same concept. And with, with all pizza, I think the dough is king here. So on a gas or right over coals, what you want to do is make a thicker crust, maybe like a, a quarter-inch thick dough to start with. Throw it, You can actually throw it right on the grate. And you cook that dough until you see the top part of the dough start to bubble a little bit. And then what you do is remove that and top the side that you grilled. So the bottom, what was the bottom, then gets topped with your toppings. Put it back on the grate, and it finishes. A, it's an awesome pizza. We actually have a recipe for it out on, uh, on our website, bbqrevolution.com, to do that method. And almost anyone can do it. Any gas grill, any charcoal grill, it works really well, actually. All right, so you'd mentioned the dough and i that's probably where we should have started i guess because that's the foundation of success there do you have a, a basic recipe that you can share with people for pizza dough or do you also is it taboo to go get like a, a, a you know a boboli crust or mama casala's you know pre-made crust like what are your thoughts on that well, first of all nothing pizza related is taboo in my opinion because it's just an awesome food group um, but yeah, I mean, we, uh, I can get real nerdy here with dough, but if you yeah, Google nerd it up, man, do it, what, get nerdy. What is dough hydration? If you Google what it is, what that means is the percentage of water that you have in the dough compared to the flour. So I like to run my pizzas at like 65 to 68% hydration, which means if I take the the vol the amount of water and divide it by the amount of flour I should get sixty five to sixty eight percent all the dough I make I, I use a food scale I don't do by volume you can't get it accurate you know every time you level off a cup of flour it could weigh um, significantly different each time and to get that hydration accurate accurate you really need to be using a food scale so a couple a couple of real easy recipes one Actually, I found off of Yahoo.com, if you want to go real stupid simple, it's made with two ingredients. It's Greek yogurt and self-rising flour. And this one, going against everything I just said, uh -huh. because of simplicity reasons, you can actually measure it, and it, and it works out uh, pretty well each time. But it's a cup of Greek yogurt to a cup and a half of self-rising flour. 
And you can actually make your own self-rising flour if you don't have that by adding some baking powder and table salt uh, to, the, to just regular all-purpose flour or some bread flour. But that works really well. Mix it and knead it, and it's a, it's a pretty, uh, pretty legit uh, go-to recipe. Is, is there a, a time that you have to allot for it to, like, does it have to rise or anything like that, or is it just ready to go? Yeah, for that one, that's why it's super easy. It's a, like a 15-minute knead it by hand and then let it rise for a couple hours in a bowl covered by um, just like a, a towel or something. So that one can be ready in a couple hours. Um, the one that I make at home, uh, like I said, is I, I do 325-gram pies, and 187 grams of that is flour. 128 grams of that is filtered water out of the bottle. Uh, I have five and a half grams of yeast and four and a half grams of salt. So you add that all together, it's 325 grams. That I mix in a KitchenAid mixer, but you can do it by hand. And, um, and then you can either let it rise that day for about an hour or you can fridge it for two to six days. In, uh, and that's, that's what's called the proofing of the dough. And uh, but no matter what, you want it to rise about an hour to two hours before you're you're ready to toss it or stretch it. So that look, you're in the chat room, right? Uh, yeah. I don't, um, there's a little uh, there's a little uh, speaker thing in the chat room. Click on that and get that knock sound off there. See it? Where you would type in a, a message down towards the bottom right. There's like an exit door and a little speaker and. Oh, I don't see it. I'm sorry. No. That's right. Don't worry about it. Let's keep going. Okay. Um, so now this 325 grand, like this is all stuff that you're measuring out separately, and and that's the the weight you've come up with. That's why yeah, you use that... the scale, right? Yeah, I use a, wow. just a digital food scale. Wow. And uh, if you use the scale, then you can get the accurate hydration yeah. to the dough. There's right. a huge difference in how dry the dough is from 65 to 70%. I can only imagine. I mean, if you're <laughs> if you're going to grams, there's got to be, you know, very strict delineating points on, you know, what it's going to be like. So, And this, uh, this particular dough recipe you said is on your website? Yeah, it's all out there. And uh, if, if anyone ever has a question or wants to, you can just email matt at bbqrevolution.com. I, I can talk pizza to over. So when, when you make this particular, is this just good for one pizza? You got to make like, you know, 10 of these for 10 pizzas? Or this is just good for one crust? Yeah, it's, that's just good for one. And you can vary the size a little bit, but I usually make them in batches of six. And then I use Glad storage containers, the 48-ounce ones, to hold them in my fridge for however long usually make them a few days in advance and is it uh one lump originally and you're just kind of letting yep. it rise and cutting off what you need and then doing the whole you know pizza spinny thing or what yeah i usually i, I can toss it and all that stuff in fact uh tonight and tomorrow i'm going to finish uh making about 30 doughs for the american <laughs> royal we cook pizza um on friday night down there in kansas city so anyone that wants to stop by our booth and, and try it out Maybe they're giving it away. All right. So uh, now that we have the dough proofed, it's risen, and we're ready to go, uh, is there a best way to you know, start flattening it out? Do you need to flatten it out over and above the size you really want to work with because it might shrink down? Like, how does that work? I, you know, everybody has their own preference. I prefer not to use a rolling pin because it smashes the air bubbles that are in that dough. So it really hinders the ability for it to rise. 
and I cook a lot on the kettle pizza, which the temperatures are anywhere from 800 to 1,000 degrees. So um, if you just grab the dough from the, the outsides and stretch it, leaving the middle part um, without getting squished down, uh, that's a good way to do it. With some practice, tossing dough is actually really easy. This recipe that I have here is, is favorable for that. You can do, uh, you can create other doughs that are more fragile with, I don't, there's a couple different flours out there. One of them is called a, a Caputo double buck and it's the kind of grind. It's, it's really high gluten. It's really, um, really finely ground. If you use that, it's a little more fragile when you start tossing, it'll get holes in it. But all of the recipes that I that I use right now, I'm using nothing but King Arthur bread flour. It's very solid, very legit. So anyone starting out on making dough, I, I would I would only use that King Arthur bread flour. It's really forgiving when it comes to stretching. All right. So aside from the dough, the next most important thing has probably got to be the sauce. Uh, do you make your own sauce, and if so, do you have a recipe that you can share? I do make my own. Um, I usually use the Centero uh, crushed tomatoes. They don't have seeds in them. And then from there, I just add herbs and olive oil uh, pretty much to taste. I, the recipe is, I don't, I don't even have it written down. I just add um, basil, oregano, thyme, salt, pepper, uh, and some olive oil until I like the taste of it. So it's really, you know, based on preference, but it's tomato-based for, for that one. It almost sounds kind of like a, a spaghetti sauce, if you will. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. It's got a, uh, I guess I do add some garlic powder and onion powder, too. So it's got some, some pizza sauce characteristics, too. But most of the, the pizzas I make, I go light on, on sauce so it doesn't get soggy. All right, so we have the uh, base down, we have the sauce down, uh, and then ingredients are, as far as toppings are concerned. I mean, it's uh, the, the, the mind can go wild. What's like the, the kookiest pizza you've ever made? <laughs> well, um, probably, I don't know, kooky is probably a stretch, but I have, you know, leftovers work really well. And we always make pizzas the day after Thanksgiving here. So we have a pizza called Thanksgiving Pizza. Um, the Cornhuskers play the Hawkeyes every Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, and it also happens to be my anniversary weekend, so we have a good family get-together, and we do that. So there's, like, stuffing and, you know, green bean casserole and all the, all the leftover Thanksgiving stuff yeah. on a pizza, which is pretty really? good. Really? Um, Runza pizza is a good one. I don't know if you know what a Runza sandwich is. They're, no. uh, they're here in Nebraska. They're, like, beef and cabbage and kind of in, like, a... a uh, bread tube <laughs> it's kind of like a loose meat sandwich yeah. it's, it's hard to explain if you've never had one it sounds very very bizarre but runza is a big deal around here frito burrito pizza i've made um you know lots of taco you know any any mexican type stuff bacon cheeseburger i have a buddy who makes a, a big mac clone pizza it tastes just like a big mac but it's wow. a pizza. any any truth so you've cooked a flabongo pizza. <laughs> no, I imagine it would be a little However, yeah, the yeah. flabongos do go very, very well with uh, the pizza-making process. Oh, I think, uh, I'm, sure, it, I'm sure it, it inspires. It tastes better after yeah. a few of those. Probably inspires you to do weird things, right? Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for those have it's, the flabongo is an inside joke. If you don't know what it's about, Google it and go ahead and you know get yourself up to speed. 
All right, we'll so, also have those down in Kansas City. Yeah, so if you're going to be down there and you see hot grill on grill action, uh, you know, ask about the Flabongo, you might be indoctrinated if you're lucky enough. Uh, <laughs> Equipment-wise, you talked about pizza kettle, and uh, somebody in the uh, Patrick Paquette said something about pizza kettle or kettle pizza as well. Are you just talking about on a kettle grill, or is there like a uh, yeah, an uh, insert that you can use on the kettle grill? What, do, what are you talking about? There's, there is a company called Kettle Pizza. They're out of Boston. Um, I have no direct affiliation with them. I just happen to love their product. Uh, it works on a Weber 22-inch kettle, and it's a stainless steel ring that goes between the lid and the base. And then there's a pizza stone that comes with it, and you slide the pizza in and out the front of the, of the ring. And using this, so you run your coals... Um, and wood, you have to run wood too, but you run that at the back of the kettle. And if you set it up right and run it right, you can consistently run 700 to 1,000 degrees with that thing. So you cook pizzas in, you know, two minutes. And um, I'd say 90% of the pizzas I make, I use that thing. Do you, need to, do you need to have the crust, you know, finish, you know, regardless of the pizza here when you're cooking it on the grill? Or can you have like a, a thicker crust, like a pan-style crust? You could do either one. The pan needs to go through a little bit more of a bake process, so you want to run probably more like 500 degrees for that. If you're up in that 7, 800, 900 range, you're probably going to burn the top and bottom before the middle gets done. But I've done, in cast iron pans, I've done uh, deep dish Chicago-style pizzas on kettle pizza. I just don't use wood. I run coals only, and it runs at like 450. Do you use a pizza stone at all? That's all I, yeah. yeah. I, 90% of what I cook is... I use a wooden pizza peel with cornmeal on it. I toss my dough. I put that on the peel, top it, slide it inside the kettle pizza, turn it around a couple times over a couple of minutes, and it's done. Right on the stone. I've used a pizza stone a couple times before, and I've noticed that maybe the first pizza works well, and then the third pizza is burnt to shit before the top (laughs) really gets to... I mean, what's going on? I thought that was supposed to, like, even it out. What am I doing wrong? Well, uh, yeah, I usually have the opposite happen. My first pizza is always the junk pizza. So whenever I have a crowd over, I throw like almost a sacrificial dough on there. But it could be um, there's olive oil in the dough that's getting in the stone. If you're using a lot of oils in your dough or butters in your dough, uh, that could happen. Um, If you have a lot of flour on the outside of the dough, flour will burn if that stone, once it gets up around 700 degrees. So I have flowers and oils could cause both of those things. And, um, I've had, I've had both of those things happen as well. You don't think it would necessarily be that the stone is too hot itself? No way. No way. No okay. way. I've had, I've had my cooker run in a thousand degrees for five straight hours. And so that stone has to be at least that temperature and n- no way, not right. too hot. It's more in the dough than it is the stone. We got uh, about a minute and a half left, and I'm sure about uh, two hours worth of uh, info that we still need to go <laughs> over. So I mean, we, we've got a good base. You, uh, you can go to bbqrevolution.com to get some of these recipes as well. Uh, some parting words of advice for the folks who are going to be looking to, to do pizzas this weekend. Uh, whatever you do, don't be afraid of trying new things. Um, yeah, We explained the dough a little bit on this uh, on this call. So that's King. Like I said, cheese, don't ever use pre-shredded cheese, shred your own. Um, it, the pre-shredded shredded cheeses has like a wax 
containment in it and so it doesn't melt very well. Um, I personally use a half whole milk, half part skim blend uh, or all kinds of mixes, but you know, let your mind wander and, uh, and email me with any questions. I'd be happy to, to talk pizza with anyone. BBQRevolution.com is the website, and we're talking with one of the pitmasters of hot grill on grill action who will be at the Royal this weekend. So if you're around, you see him, say hi, uh, leave him alone during turning time because they're looking to <laughs> come back on Tuesday to recount a championship or two. Uh, but we'll see great. how that goes. Absolutely. Well, you got the karma, Matt, so you know it can only be good things from here on out. It uh, always is. Really appreciate the time to know and uh, the pizza knowledge most uh, most of all. Yeah, anytime, Greg. Really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you. All right, man, you too. There he is. Thank Matt Frampton, hot grill on grill action. Man, my buttons got all turned around in my production. God, it's so annoying. God, hate that. That's Matt Frampton bbqrevolution.com and CJ coming up out of the break it's almost time for the American Royal folks the World Series of Barbecue Contest this year the American Royal is being held at Arrowhead Stadium October 1st through the 4th that's this weekend Cook Shack and Fast Eddie will be cooking the open spot G253 and G268 the Cook Shack team would love to spend time with you. Cook Shack and Fast Eddie will be competing using the FEC 100 pellet smoker. And the PG 1000 pellet grill, the Fast Eddies by Cook Shack and FEC 100, is the choice of many teams on the competition circuit. So far, over 30 teams are using Cook Shack equipment, and they will be competing at the American Royal this year. Feeling lucky? Register for the Fast Eddies poker tournament that will be held on Thursday night at 6 p.m. for a chance to win the FEC 500 on a trailer. It's worth over 21 Gs. Friday night, they will be hosting a get-together. Stop by for some food and fun, why don't you? Why do countless pitmasters prefer the FEC 100? Former American Royal Grand Champ Todd Johns of Plowboys considers his twin FEC 100s members of his cooking team. They handle his fire management. He can cook by himself. He doesn't have to worry about his temperatures not being consistent. He can roll into a contest at 6 p.m., prep his meats, and be ready to cook quickly. The FEC 100 puts you in control so you can concentrate on your flavor profiles and making those turn-in boxes. The FEC 100 features a digital cook shack IQ5 controller that lets you set smoke, cook, and rest time temperatures. The heat and flavor source is a 100% food-grade wood pellet. This pellet heat is controlled and by fully automated pellet system, which produces very little ash compared to stick burns. Pellets make it easy to customize the wood flavor you want in a consistent, easy manner. If you want a more deep, smoky flavor, Cook Shack offers an optional smoke enhancer that can be added to the FEC 100 as well. Do you need any additional information about the Cook Shack or Fest Eddie by Cook Shack products? Well, here's what you can do. Call one of the sales professionals at Cook Shack, 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or call them. I'm sorry, or check out the website, cookshack.com or pelletcooker.com. That's cookshack.com or pelletcooker.com to get further info. You're going to be happy you did. And try your luck at that uh, tournament when an FEC 500, 21 grand, wow. Love to win that. You could get right into the barbecue catering business just like that with one of the best out there on the market. All right, we're back with CJ to recap the San Antonio win this past weekend. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. Be right back.
877-444-8033 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back, folks. Thanks again to Matt Frampton for joining me this past segment, talking about pizza. One thing that he didn't mention, but he wanted to get out, is uh, to try sourdough culture in your dough. It's a more complicated recipe, but you can go to bbqrevolution.com to get it. All right. Joining, we talked about it. We talked about it for what seemed to be two weeks on this show in a row, the San Antonio barbecue cook-off. Well, by goodness, it took place this past weekend, and the guy that won it is uh, no stranger to this show and certainly no stranger to winning and to recount the weekend. We welcome back the pitmaster of Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue. Clarence Joseph joined me here on the show. CJ, man, what's up? What's happening, Greg? Hey, I appreciate you having me back, man. How you doing? I'm doing absolutely fabulous, Clarence. Appreciate you uh, asking. And, wow, uh, you look at this past weekend, you have uh, how many teams ended up being there? Was it uh, just shy of 270 or something like that? Uh, I think we ended up with about 224 teams. All right, so 224 teams. Now, look, especially in Texas, I mean, certainly if you get into some of these other sanctioning bodies, you might see 100 here or there. This coming weekend, a little bit different in uh, Kansas City. Obviously, the the, the Royal Open is going to see probably close to 700 teams. But in Texas, especially, you're not, not accustomed to seeing an event that's going to have plus 150, plus 180, plus 200 teams on a fairly consistent basis, right? Oh, yeah. There are several uh, uh, throughout the year that will draw anywhere from uh, uh, 150 to uh, 250 uh, teams. So uh, Texas uh, Texas is pretty cool uh, when it comes to that that type of uh, attendance. So when you are used to cooking in situations where there's that many teams, there's really no nerves for you. Right? I mean, you've won a lot of big competitions uh, that have a number of teams in there. So going into an event like San Antonio, it's got to be a little bit more business as usual for you guys because of uh, the, the background and the experience that it would be for somebody just kind of rolling in there the first time. You know, there, there are some cook-offs you want more than others. But in terms of preparation, I think I prepare the same for all cook-offs. So, you know, I always think uh, I'm bringing my A-game. But, uh, of course, there, there are some cook-offs that you want to win more than others, whether it's because of the, the numbers in attendance or whether it's because of the, uh, the prestige associated with that cook-off. But uh, I, I'd like to think that I, I, I uh, prepare just the same for every single cook-off, regardless of uh, the numbers in attendance. For the folks that don't know about the San Antonio Barbecue Cookoff, uh, you know you have a, a Houston Livestock and Rodeo, you have a Turn and Burn. I mean, you have a, a number of really big competitions out there. How does San Antonio stack up to that? San Antonio is just a little bit below the numbers that uh, that Houston uh, attracts, uh, and uh, maybe another. Uh, 50 to 100 teams more than turn and burn. But uh, the one thing that we there's no dispute about is the numbers of quality cooks in attendance. Uh, these large cook-offs, these, especially when there's some money involved, there's some prestige involved, they tend to bring the quality uh, out of the woodworks. 
uh, and that was the case this weekend. That's what makes this win uh, so much more enjoyable was the number of great cooks there in attendance. Uh, CJ, one thing that I like to, to bring up to folks that maybe aren't as familiar uh, with the the finances of competition barbecue, and it's it, it's not all the same across different sanctioning bodies, but by and large it is. Like, what's Mom and Papa Joe's expense for San Antonio? What are you coming back with? I mean, are, are you are you in the black when you compete, or is it kind of a break-even? What's the deal? An event such as this, uh, we ended up uh, definitely in the black. First of all, uh, we had uh, a sponsor for uh, this, this cook-off. Uh, it's not every day that we're going to pay a, a $500 entry fee. So we had a sponsor for this cook-off. Uh, of course, we're responsible for for everything else uh, outside of the entry fee. And by the time you, you've bought meat, fuel, and uh, the, the food you're going to eat at the cook-off, you're probably uh, into that cook-off about five, maybe 600 bucks. Uh, this one, uh, pretty good payout. Uh, San Antonio isn't all about the payout. You know, they're, they're raising money for scholarships. So uh, in the past, there hadn't been much of a payout. They increased that payout this, uh, this year. And we walked away with, uh, with quite uh, a, a nice chunk of change. So we're definitely in the black for this cook-off. What about for the year? Are you guys a team that can make money at the end of the year, or do you just look to, to break even as a goal and hope you're not you know, losing? I'll be honest with you, Greg. Uh, we started out that way, just hoping to break even. Just hoping to uh, to earn enough to continue competing. Yeah. But as uh, as we've improved and stepped up our game, uh, we've been fortunate enough to be uh, one of the few teams that that end the year in the black. Uh, knock on wood, uh, we've been very fortunate uh, in that in in those regards. Clarence Joseph joining me here on the show, the pitmaster of uh, Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue. You can find him on the Facebook as well if you want to give him a follow. Uh, so the money that you win, regardless of size, you're just reinvesting back into the team more or less to, to kind of keep that ball yes. rolling. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the, any, anything we bring in, uh, I recently resigned. I was a teacher and recently resigned from teaching. Uh, so uh, barbecue is it between uh, competitions catering and uh, and giving my barbecue classes, uh, barbecue is it. So uh, anything we're able to bring in from uh, competitions, uh, you know, goes right back into the team uh, to try to uh, to cover expenses. That way it's not coming directly out of our pocket, so to speak. When you look at this past weekend in regards to the turn-ins, you know, overall uh, conditions, I guess, were, were pretty favorable down there as far as weather to cook in. And, and how did you feel about those turn-ins that end up earning you the overall grand championship? You know, Greg, uh, before the awards ceremony, uh, we cooks always talk to each other about, you know, how the day went. And I told a number of my, uh, my closer friends uh, that this was one of those cook-offs where things went scary perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, from A to Z, uh, I didn't skip a beat. I never saw a whiff of smoke from my pit. Uh, I did not miss a single second. I mean, everything was just in lockstep. Uh, and when a cook go, when a cook is going in 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 that fashion, you you always expect something to just uh, something to just slip uh, at at some point. But it never did. Uh, and at the end of the day. 
most often we're able to select one of the meats that we think uh, that we think have the best chance of uh, of hitting. And I wasn't able to do that this week. That's how good I felt about all three of those turnings. I was not able to pick a single meat that I thought was was best. And uh, fortunately enough, uh, it worked out in, in our favor. This was a Texas Gulf Coast sanctioned uh, event. Do you get into the Lone Star and the IBCA as well, or do you try to stay primarily in, in, in one? I am, uh, you know, I'm not a points chaser, so I will cook. Uh, I cook all three of those sanctioning bodies. Uh, so I don't chase points in any one particular sanctioning body. Uh, because IBCA uh, is the is is the uh, the sanctioning body that does most of the cook-offs in my area, uh, I naturally cook more uh, IBCA cook-offs. Uh, and secondly would be uh, uh, Lone Star, followed uh, by, by uh, Gulf Coast. Rules-wise, Clarence, uh, similar in how they're supposed to – to operate or are there some decent sized nuances that you got to be adept to in order to win? Uh, all three sanctioning bodies are fairly similar. Uh, and uh, so, so going from one to, uh, to another, there, there are no major uh, changes that you have to uh, undergo. Uh, one of the things uh, that, that a lot of cooks don't know and are, are finding out is that in uh, in the Lone Star, you can have more than one team cooking on a a particular pit. Not a fan of that rule, but uh, that sanctioning body allows it. So we could share a pit and, and, and cook. Yes, sir. When you, yes, sir. When you're cooking Lone Star, uh, you can have uh, two pit masters on the same pit. I've heard if you share pits, uh, people get hit with uh, flying briskets. It's an inside joke. (laughs) Can't let it go. Um, Clarence Joseph uh, talking to me here on the show or recapping the big win at San Antonio. So when they're going over uh, the results and you hear, uh, I guess what it is in essence, uh, assuming they do it the same way, your number called and your number associated with your team, uh, you know, what's the, you know, what are those first sets of emotions as it kind of wash over you knowing that you're the grand champion San Antonio? You know, I, for some reason at awards ceremony, I, I, it, it never hits me that that's my number. So I always wait for my wife to react. Uh, she will. She she's 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 following it number number by number. <laughs> I tend to uh, to wait until she reacts. Uh, I've seen at cookoffs where cooks jump up thinking that they've had their numbers called, and they get out there and they make that walk, and we call that the walk of shame. Yeah. And I am ever so fearful that one day I will make that walk of shame and and get up there <laughs> and have the wrong number. So I tend to sit back and wait until she reacts, and uh, that is when I react. But it is it is an awesome feeling. It is an awesome feeling uh, to 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 watch those or to listen to those individual numbers being called, and that last one being yours. Uh, I cannot explain it. I love it. So, out of the wins that you've been able to amass here over the last year, uh, twenty four months, how does this kind of sense the other ones? Uh, this is uh, number one. You know, prior to this, I thought the the, the Western Woods series uh, was a big one, which it was. Yeah. But but in terms of prestige, uh, nothing right now uh, can top uh, uh, the San Antonio Rodeo. Nothing can top the San Antonio Rodeo. 
next year at Houston Livestock, which takes place fairly early in the year, if you win that one, does that usurp San Antonio, or is that something that you, you got to win it first and, and feel it to be able to make that decision? I uh, because because uh, Houston comes with a uh, an automatic entry to the Jack. I, I definitely think uh, it would surpass San Antonio. Uh, you know, these are, uh, for me, these are what I consider uh, bucket list uh, uh, events. Uh, and I'm sure most cookers uh, have a list of events that they would like to win or uh, if not necessarily win, at least participate in, compete in. And Houston is one of those things, uh, one of those events. Uh, because of that ridiculously large uh, entry fee, I don't know if I'll ever pay that kind of entry fee. So uh, winning San Antonio and earning that uh, automatic entry uh, is def was definitely uh, something on my bucket list. And, and, of course, the Jack is also on that bucket list. So because you, you mentioned the Jack and you're going to get an opportunity to cook in that, I mean, a little bit different than you're used to. you got to do chicken, you got to do pork. Well, I mean, you're used to the chicken, but it's got. I think it's only white meat, uh, and you got to do... Well, shit. I mean, you're turning in half chicken, so you can do white meat just as good as anybody. Oh, now well, I'm thinking about absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, but uh, you absolutely. got you got pork there too. If I mean, is is that? Do you find the jack to be more of pomp and circumstance, and and a lot of people talk about how great it is to win, or do you buy into you know how unique you are now included into this winner circle if you win it? You know, uh, for me, the jack. Of course, I'd love to win it. But uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the Jack with any major expectations. Uh, again, uh, bucket list, I'd love to go there and participate. I'd be able to say I've cooked the Jack. And if I was able to get away with a walk or something, uh, uh, that, would, that, that would blow my mind. That, that, would, that would top off, uh, that would be the cherry on the cake. So, uh, yeah, uh, the prestige, uh, you know, is, is considered the granddaddy of them all. Uh, they, of course, they don't want the numbers that uh, that a Houston Livestock or American Royale have. And I think that is what really creates that aura about the Jack. Those numbers are small, but all those numbers, all those individuals attending are, are grand champions uh, in their own uh, in their own right. Uh, you know, so it's sort of like the best of the best. And to uh, to to ever be included in that would would absolutely blow my mind. Clarence Joseph joining me here on the show, recounting the win at San Antonio this past weekend. Uh, one of the other things that we talked about, I think the last time you were on Clarence was uh, the cooking classes that you're doing. So, you know, having those kind of under the belt now and how are you finding your pupils and uh, any type of success that they're having? Were you worried about anybody, you know, running up behind you over this past weekend and taking a title from you? Uh it's uh, it, it's it's great, you know. Uh, there are plenty of my students in attendance at that cook-off this weekend, and uh, seven of them uh, were on stage. Wow! And uh, there were uh, a number of them, you know, with a uh, with a big with a big brisket call, uh, could have uh, overtaken me. So uh, those students of mine are are really doing well uh, as uh, the year progressed. Uh, we're 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 climbing towards 30 grand championships uh, coming out of uh, coming out of my classes uh, this year. So uh, wow. uh, I am just uh, overwhelmed uh, 
I'm a little bit in disbelief at how successful my students uh, have been this year so far. Proof is in the uh, in the proverbial pudding for sure. So if you make the decision to give these classes, to spill your guts, uh, to give away you know what some might consider to be competitive advantages, uh, whatever that means to different people. So to have somebody who maybe wouldn't have taken your class because you didn't offer it now takes your class and now beats you that following weekend, is that something you got to get good with before you give classes? It's bittersweet, or are you still pissed at the end because you didn't win? Well, it, it's happened already, uh, Greg, uh, where <laughs> students have uh, watched my students walk up, they get grand champion, uh, get reserve grand champion while I'm sitting down. Uh, but uh, what it does is it, it validates uh, what I'm doing. Uh, so I'm especially proud uh, and more often than not, these guys, you know, while they're up there on stage, they'll give me a shout out, which uh, it doesn't get any better than that type of advertising. So uh, I tell them, I said, uh, anytime you guys win, it's a win for me. So I actually root my students on. Uh, I, I want to see every last one of them do well. Uh, it validates what I'm doing. It makes me feel good. If I can't win, I hope it's one of my students. Clarence, where are you going to be at next? I'm doing a small one about three minutes from the house, Greg. Whoa! Uh, night and old, night and old Converse, and uh, it normally falls on the American Royal Week uh, on Royal Weekend. Uh, and uh, this year, we've chosen not to go back to the uh, Royal. Uh, we're planning on uh, being back there next year, so we're we're cooking a little hometown cook. Uh, there's a cook that I, I, I'm I'm hoping to see grow. So uh, whenever I'm able to, I will definitely uh, be in attendance. Clarence Joseph is the pit master of Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue, the winner this past weekend, San Antonio Barbecue Cookoff, and wearing one of the coolest T-shirts I have seen in recent memory. Good job on that one. That's, uh, that's awesome. Very good for you. Yes, sir. Uh, all right. Well, uh, as always, my friend, uh, continued success and appreciate the conversation tonight. Hey, uh, much love, Greg. Thank you very much for having me once again, man. Absolutely. My pleasure. There he is, folks. Clarence Joseph of Mama and Papa Joe's Barbecue, the winner of the San Antonio Barbecue Cookoff. And if you go back through and see who was actually at that competition, I mean, he's that's no joke. The biggest of the big were at that trying to win. Even that Doug Scheider. Shout out to Dougie, by the way, for helping me. Actually, I'll talk about Doug here in a second. Let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop online shop for anyone interested in barbecue. The number one dealer of Mac Pellet Grills. They got the old Hickory ASPP, the Gateway Drum Smokers, the drum kit that gives you everything to make a world-class drum smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa's made a name for itself by creating award-winning lines of championship rubs, sweet money, happy ending. Winning every major competition, or at least having a hand in it. Don't think BPS can just be pigeonholed in the competition barbecue either. BPS has become so well-known, they've been picked up by BJ's Restaurant and Brewhouse. They got four of the nine rubs on their permanent menu. Big Papa's also banded together with fellow California-based rub company called Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become known as the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, these two California-based rub makers have cornered the market. On competitive, going to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa's website also features an online meat locker with top quality meats from Snake River Farm. Ship right to your door. 
from the American Kobe beef, the caribou to pork, the double R ranch meats. Big Papa's Meat Locker has something for every type of barbecue aficionado. They're also committed to bringing you the best flavors on the market, like Swamp Boy sauce, a fine swine sauce, Granny's barbecue sauce. These were the new kids on the block this barbecue season, available for sale at BigPapaSmokers.com. Also, the BPS Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition cooks in the country, working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all this with only five years of being in the business, turning competition barbecue on its head, providing customers with the very best barbecue products, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant food chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S. It's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. We're here to wrap it up right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Clarence Joseph for joining me on the show, recounting San Antonio win. Uh, What I was saying before about uh, Doug Scheidt, you know, I want to give him a special mention here on the show tonight. For weeks and weeks, he has really bought into keeping Texas alive and on the forefront of this show. And, you know, really with just a question from me saying, hey, are you interested? Is it something that you want to do? And uh, providing weekly updates and giving me ideas on guests and turning out really good gets, uh, what are now be kind of coming semi-regulars here on the show. Uh, Doug has really played an instrumental part in the growth of covering the Texas side of barbecue, not only in competition, but uh, just in barbecue in general. So I appreciate Doug Scheiding, the pitmaster of Rogue Cookers, and his selfless efforts for the uh, growth and well-being of this show. Dougie! All right, now we got to get out, like, super quick. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with... Hold on a second here. Losing my time. i got to make sure I'm going to get out here on time. Uh, we talked with... Why am I drawing a blank on my first guess? It's horrible. We talked with Brian Bracewell from... Okay, hold on a second. Hold on. Let me make sure I don't get out of... Get out of here to her. I gotta go back. Hold on. Hold on, stick with me. Oh my God, what an idiot. So much going on tonight. I want to thank my first interview segment guest, Mike Lang from... Another Pint Please, anotherpintplease.com, his website, talking about tailgating and so forth. Then we talked with Brian Bracewell from Southside Market about him going over to Japan, talking about getting more American beef into Japan. Good idea. Southsidemarket.com, their website. Then we talked with Matt Frampton about pizza. BBQRevolution.com for dough and sauce recipes. Get out there and make pizza this week, I'm crying out loud. Then Clarence Joseph from uh, Mom and Papa Joe's Barbecue Tea. Recapping the San Antonio stuff. It's all great stuff. It's all appreciated. We'll be back next week with a great show, September 11, 2001. I will never forget. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And with a 
hopeful grand champ of both the American Royal Invitational and Open Sides. This is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.